Happy 420, motherfuckers. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And we're the Fried Swarms. We're here to get stoned, get more stoned, and then talk about horror movies. This week is going to be John Dies at the End. As you might have already surmised, this is our official 420 episode for this year. We were going to have a guest on, but shit happens. Nothing out of the ordinary here, folks. But we're still ready to talk about it. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Before we get to there, though, man, this is kind of sad. Because, like, it's our 420 episode. You brought the Jays. Because when I went to get some, they were out of them. We both went to the same establishment. They were out. You got some of the last. We're, like, hitting the dregs because Wreck has made it hard to find weed sometimes. Dude, especially at our shop because it tends to be a little bit more bumping mm-hmm. which you know it's a good thing too so can't complain too much but we're happy for them right but there are times where it's like it kind of leaves us in the dark <laughs> you know luckily this is an actual 420 no no no, no. we're still a little over a week out which i unfortunately have to work on oh, i think i did too now that i think about it not happy about that That's but okay. we're going to celebrate today so that we can get this episode out on time especially for you Patreon listeners out there. Everyone else is going to get a little bit late. And because that's most people, sorry, guys, we know you got this late. That's right. But I think a dollar. A dollar, you dude, get it on dollar. time. A dollar gets you this on time. Yeah, I don't think you can buy a pack of gum anymore for a dollar. That's all it takes. Patreon.com slash fried squirms. I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. <laughs> Just know that you could have had this in time for the holiday. Right. You could be blazing with us. At a dollar a month. Come on. Anyway, because we're getting stoned first, because you ended up having to pick up all the J's because <laughs> they literally did not have any when I went in there. Wow. I know. What are we smoking today? Okay. So I brought over... A strain that I have brought over before, I'm pretty sure you brought this over mm-hmm. as well, but I had brought over a couple of J's of Nick the Bruiser. So with that being said, the information that I got on this one is that Nick the Bruiser has the parent strains Eastside OG and Fire 18, right? And with this being said, this strain over at Flower is a sativa strain. It states that the terpenes ooze from the trichomes and they're aromatically therapeutic. It gives off sweet and floral notes that are pulled together with a fuel-like OG funk. And for this particular strain, it helps with anxiety, arthritis, chronic pain, muscle spasms, and nausea. Okay. And yeah, I think this one is clocking in a little over 30%, which is really high in THC for sativas. And for flower in general. Yeah, in general. I mean, that's shit. Anything, I think, for sativas, anything in the 20s is typically high. Mm. You know, so. Yeah, this is a fun one. I'm sure it'll make us a little bit more chatty. I'm looking forward to it. Let's see. I already said I'm not doing the whole spiel today because I already told them. Like, (laughs) the biggest thing is a dollar. I know, right? And on top of that, too, we've talked about the tiers in the past, but uh, we have a Discord where you could be chatting with us live. That would be awesome. I know. We would we, we could have told you, like, we're doing our 420 episode. At this point, you guys can light up with us. Yeah, and you could be sharing the strains that you maybe you're puffing on, things like that. So, yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be scary. <laughs> I guess with that... We're, we just got to jump into this then, right? We don't, we don't have anything else? 
don't think so. Okay. Well, then we're going to just continue getting high, take a quick break, and we'll get back with the guts and bolts of John Dies at the end. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Who and what went into making this movie? Spoiler free. So, fuck this movie, dude. Start with our spoiler-free setup for the movie. I don't know what the fuck to say. So I decided I would consult two different sources. All right. I'm going to read the description that you find on HBO Max, because it is streaming there currently. And that's, College dropouts investigate an alien invasion while tripping on a mind-altering street drug in this weird and wild horror comedy. Now, similar, the IMDb write-up is... A new street drug that sends its users across time and dimensions has one drawback. Some people return no longer human. Can two college dropouts save humanity from this silent, otherworldly invasion? And while I don't think... Neither of them are inaccurate, but neither of them are this movie. No, not in that (laughs) sense. No, not quite. And we'll, of course, we'll get into all the reasons why, but... If we're trying to keep it spoiler-free, that's probably about as good as you can get. That's Yeah, but uh, they're not wrong. They're right, not telling right. you... It's still vague, though. Yeah. It's kind of like last week in the sense where we kept hearing the film was a ghost movie, and it kind of is, but it's not. Right? There are, right. There are references to ghosts, but it's not a ghost movie. A lot like... The use of the term alien is about where I'll leave it. The use of the term alien. I don't know why both of these write-ups are focused on the fact that they're college dropouts. I know. It never references that either in the film or in the novels, if I'm not mistaken. No, they're kind of just early 20s dudes. Yeah, just just dudes (laughs) hanging out. Just bros. Yeah. So... And how the soy sauce works, too, how it's described in those. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll However, at the same time, also not inaccurate. Right, right, right. I mean, it, like I said, it's, it's accurate, but to a point. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going to leave it for now. <laughs> I know, right? So, of course, from week to week, we like to talk about the cast and crew of our films. And this week is a gentleman we've talked about several times before, and I'm talking about our director, he's also one half of the writing team, and I'll talk about, not necessarily team, but he's one half of the writing, and he's also the editor, one of the editors on this film. I'm talking about Don Coscarelli. This is a gentleman we've talked about back on episode four when we reviewed Phantasm. We followed that up on episode 103 when we talked about Phantasm part two, and you actually had somebody over just recently that we did an episode with over on our show. It was a crossover. We had Zach on when we talked about Bubba Hotep on episode 205. A few other films of note. Some people know him for The Beastmaster. Some people also know him for Survival Quest back in 89. He actually did an episode of The Masters of Horror. He did the episode Incident on and off a mountain road. Phantasm series and things like that too. So uh, The only one he didn't do is the Ravager. You would think he was a producer on that. There was somebody else who directed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the only one he did not direct. All right, so I did talk about the fact that he did write on this. He wrote the screenplay, but the novel 
is actually based on the writings of David Wong, which is the pen name of Jason Pargan, or is it is it Pargan Pargan? I'm not sure on that. Yeah, if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize, but. Um, I think you probably know a little bit more about him because I think you followed his website more so than I did. It's funny because I remember when the novel was like about to come out. I know, I still haven't read it. It's actually after having rewatched this movie, it's going to be probably the next thing I read. But he was writing for Cracked.com for a while. And most notably when I was fucking reading it all the time, <laughs> yeah. which was like during college and shit. So I'm very familiar with his writing, but in a more listical style. <laughs> yeah, <that's cool. laughs> all right. So with that, we have cinematographer, Mike Geolakis. Uh, this gentleman's actually got some really cool films. His name, he is responsible for being the DP on the films. It follows. He's also the DP on the films split Glass, a film that you and I actually saw at the theater, and that film is Us. He's also responsible for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, the film Old, which is that M. Night Shyamalan film. And he's actually helped on the television series Servant from 2019 all the way through more recently here in 2022. All right, I mentioned that Don Coscarelli was an editor along with Donald Milne, who helped on Bubba Hotep, which... Once again, we reviewed on episode 205. Another gentleman we talked about before, that is Brian Tyler, who is the composer of the music on this film. We talked about him back on episode 46. It was a directorial debut of a Mr. Bill Paxton, and that film is Frailty. And we also talked about him once again on episode 205 when we reviewed Bubba Hotep. The other things of note, because he's got a pretty interesting career, man. Uh, back in 1999, he did a little film some people might know because it starred a basketball player, but that film is Simon Says, starred Dennis Rodman. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is worth mentioning a little bit. He helped on uh, Vampires Los Muertos. <laughs> Isn't that the one with Bon Jovi? I, uh, I've already mentioned I'm not a big fan of him. He actually helped on Constantine. He composed the music for mm. that. The Greatest Game Ever Played, Annapolis, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. So he is a part of the family. Uh, he actually helped on Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem. He helped on the 2008 Rambo, which is really cool. Oh. Yeah, The Lazarus Project, uh, Fast and Furious from 2009, Final Destination from 2009, The Expendables, yeah, Fast Five, some really cool stuff. So quite a few of those. Thor, The Dark World, that's pretty cool. TMNT, uh, Avengers, Ages of... So he's done a, a lot of stuff, actually, man. He's got some really cool stuff. All right, we've got special effects by Almost Human Digital, and along with that, Robert Kurtzman helped on this as well. I saw that. Which is really dope. All right. This was produced by Brad Burra, Don Coscarelli, and Andy Myers. Production companies in this were Silver Sphere, M3, Creative, Alliance, and Touchy Feely Films. The distributor was Magnetic Release, and they helped for the 2012 United States theatrical release. It had a few release dates. January 23rd, 2012, here in the States at the Sundance Film Festival. And then it had a release on December 27th, 2012. It was an internet release. 
And then oh. I think it was like officially released sometime later in 2013. Okay. All right. It had an estimated budget a little bit less than a million dollars. And because it had a limited run at theaters, we've talked about this in the past. You can't really always go by the numbers when it comes to that. But it grossed a little over $142,000. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is, just so you know, they are sorry for anything that's about to happen. <laughs> like, all right. That's, okay. Not too bad. All right, so moving into our cast, I'm going to lead off with Chase Williamson, who plays the role of Dave Wong. Oh, wait, I just had to look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah widest yeah. release was 19 theaters. That's what I'm saying, so, you know. I don't know. Opened you know, in one theater, so like, it had an opening weekend of $12,000. Like, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know what that amounts to, like movie, movie viewers, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, Chase Williamson plays Dave Wong. A few films of note from him. He was in the film Sparks. film I've actually watched before is Beyond the Gates. It has Barbara Crampton as well. Mm. Not a bad little, you know, low-budget film. He was also in the films Camera Obscura and Victor Crawley, which is actually really cool. It's part of that Hatchet series. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Now, alongside him, we have Rob Mays plays the role of John or John Cheese, which is really interesting, which... I'm sure you probably know is an alias is actually the writer whose real name is Mac Lady. Oh, who yeah. worked with, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jason or Dave, if you want to call him that. Yeah, which is really cool. So, a little Easter egg there. But Rob has been in the films Ice Castles. He was in the film Burning Blue. He was in Thor Ragnarok. He was also in The Client List, which is a television series back in 2013. And he was a part of the Mistresses television series from 2015 and 16. All right, we have Paul Giamatti plays the role of Arnie Blondstone. Um, Interesting that he's in this film. Him and somebody who I know you're going to name off soon are yeah. quite the fucking gets for this movie. It's pretty interesting, man. So, Especially for a budget under a million? Yeah, less than a million. What? First off, as soon as you said that, I didn't even think about the cast. This just looks like a more expensive movie than that. I think Don Coscarelli has a pretty good handle on that. I think we talked mm-hmm. about that in the past. How I know this. I'm not going to get too much into a tangent, but on Phantasm, he was written like cameras on the weekends because... They weren't like being charged the same rate, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, he like, let's run them on a Friday, we won't have to return it till Monday because there won't be anybody in the office, mm-hmm. so they won't be charged for those days. So, anyway, like, he knows what he's doing. But with that being said, Paul Giamatti, as if he needs a huge introduction, but uh, just a few films of note because he's got an extensive catalog of films. Just looking here back in '97, he was in the film Donnie Brasco, which is really cool. He was in the film The Truman Show. He was in Dr. Doolittle back in 98, Saving Private Ryan. He was in uh, Man on the Moon back in 1999. Mm -hmm. Great film. He was in Big Mama's House is another one I remember him in. Planet of the Apes in 2001. American Splendor, which is a really cool film. Cinderella Man. Let's see. He got a Golden Globe, a Primetime Emmy, and a Screen Actors Guild Award for playing John Adams in John Adams on fucking HBO. Yeah, that's wild, man. Damn. Yeah, let's see here. He was in um, M. Night Shyamalan's uh, Lady in the Water, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was, in the, that uh, he was in The Illusionist, co-starring Edward Norton, which is not a bad film. Pretty I mean, he shows up for like three minutes as the rhino in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, yeah. which was like the biggest letdown of that movie. 
There was a, a film not because of him, but like no, I, the fact no, they I didn't use Rhino as him more. But. Yeah, no, he was in the film uh, Win Win, which is actually a pretty decent film. Uh, watch that one. Damn, that's like an indie film from the late two thousands. But yeah, I mean, just like I said, tons of films, man. Tons of fucking films. Oh, recently he was in that fucking Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Uh, yeah. We talked about that over on General Nerdery. That movie was actually a fucking blast. That's like, really I, cool. I highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun. Well, there you go, man. Nice. Yeah, television as well. So extensive catalog if you really want to check out some Paul Giamatti. All right, another guy. This is interesting. This is like the first time we're actually going to talk about him on our show. But we're talking about Clancy Brown plays the role of Dr. Albert Marconi. Don't you mean Sergeant Zim? Dude, um, when I think about his career, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, it goes way back. But how can I not mention Highlander? Where the he plays, Kurgan. Yeah, he plays Victor Kruger. Yeah, the Kurgan, which is really cool. Another film I always think about him in is Pet Cemetery 2 because he's mm. uh, Sheriff Gus Gilbert. And he was nominated for a Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Supporting Actor for that part. Not a bad film. It's got uh, Edward Furlong in it. Well, he's fucking Mr. Krabs. He's got uh, another guy who was an ER uh, major actor, too. He was in, um, believe it or not, in Top Gun. He was Goose. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name um, off the top of my head. Fuck. Now I can just... You now, all talk about. Yeah, now all I'm thinking is Dr. Green, and I can't think of his real uh, name. Ah, damn but. it. But yeah, anywho, I think about that shit. Uh, he uh, was in Shawshank. Dude, fucking Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were going way back. Yeah, way, way, way back. <laughs> Starship Troopers. <laughs> He was in, um, well, something I watched more recently. He was in the new season of Dexter. That oh. was really cool. Yeah, he did a really good job in that, man. He was in uh, 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't really want to talk about that one. Um, he was in Green Lantern. He voiced Parallax, which is really cool. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. He's done a lot of voices. Like I mentioned, he's uh, Mr. Krabs. Yeah, and, like, but beyond that, that, like he's fucking uh, a shit ton of things. Because he's, he's Sorter in Thor Ragnarok. He's, uh, fuck, God. Dark side in one of the Justice uh, Leagues? Maybe not Dark Side, maybe sure. somebody else. Uh, yeah, he's in the, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I heard that was actually pretty good. It looks like he's in the upcoming John Wick Chapter 4, so that might oh, be a spoiler for yeah. fans of that. He's in those documentaries, which is really cool, In Search of Darkness, which I believe were on Shudder, so if you are subscribed, you'll have access to that, which is really neat. Yeah, tons of television, like you said, tons of voice acting, video game work as well. Here's a deep cut. Especially because I actually did... I'm not just pulling this off a fucking, like, list. I actually watched every episode of this fucking cartoon. There was a Mortal Kombat cartoon that ran... I don't remember how long it ran. He was a Raiden. Oh, damn. <laughs> That's really cool. There was another show, man. If I'd be remiss if I don't bring this up really quick. But I brought this show up so many times. It was on HBO back in the early 2000s, like 2003. Mm. And I talked about it, I don't know how many times, ad nauseum, but... He was in Carnival, where oh yeah, yeah. He actually was Brother Justin Crow, which is like one of the major characters in that show. Like he had a major role, but unfortunately, I overheard you guys talking. It was one of those shows that was short lived. Mm -hmm. Only had two seasons, and because the production was too much at the time, they had to cancel it. Which is unfortunate. It was a great show. Correct myself. He wasn't Dark Side. He was Lex Luthor. Oh damn, that still yeah. was pretty dope. All right. Now, here's another guy who's got some really cool film credits. I'm talking about Glenn Turman, plays Detective Lawrence Appleton in the film. And this guy, if you go way back, uh, he was in a film uh, which some people 
depends on how you want to look at it, but he was in the 1971 film Honky. <laughs> he was also in 1975's uh, Cooley High, which is really cool. But where I want to get into along with that is in 1974, oh. he was the voice of Fritz in The Nine Lies of Fritz the Cat. See, I thought you were going to get into it later on in 1984. Mm. Since motherfucker was in Gremlins, do you know who he played in that? I know we can see who he yeah, is. Yeah. He is the teacher that Corey Feldman's character shows. Oh, like the you know the, the creature, yeah, the, yeah. the Mogway, whatever. And yeah, like I think he gets it later on in the film. So that's kind of interesting that he's in this. But uh, yeah, just a few other things of note. And uh, how old Stella got her groove back, where he played Doctor Shakespeare. Which is kind of interesting, you know what I mean? He was in Super 8, which is actually a pretty decent film. We see here more recently. He was in Bumblebee from 2018. I heard some really good things about that. He was in uh, The Way Back, which is kind of funny. We just talked about that from 2020. And he's got a couple other films of note coming up. It looks like he's been in a lot of television series throughout the years. I mean, dating back from the 70s, 80s, you know, all the way up to more recently. A lot of just kind of one-offs, but still pretty cool. All right, another gentleman we've talked about before. We talked about him in episode 218 when we reviewed the film Mimic. I'm talking about Doug Jones, who plays the role of Roger North. And another one of those guys, you might not recognize him out of paint or costume. Doug Jones deserves, like, all of the fucking Lifetime Achievement Wow, dude. The shit that he has pulled off with no recognition because... You can't see him. That's what I'm getting at. I know we've talked about him, too, because, you know, we've talked about um, The Shape of Water and things like that. But because he also worked extensively with Guillermo del Toro on a lot of projects, you know, like Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, Crimson Peak. I already talked about The Shape of Water. He was in the film Hocus Pocus. Yes. Which is really cool. Billy Butcherson. Yeah. uh, Tank Girl, Fantastic Four, Look, he's only... The Strain, another one, yeah. He's in Batman Returns. He's only credited as Thin Clown, which, you know, so his background. But it's one of those ones where, like, if you know to look for Doug Jones... Then you know. Then you, yeah. You'll you'll see him. Understandable, exactly. (laughs) It's just neat seeing him, like, out of, like I said, costume or out of makeup Mm -hmm. or something in this film. All right, another gentleman we've talked about before... Two episodes, actually, and then is Daniel Roebuck, plays the role of a large man, which is, uh, for those who are curious, he's wearing a mask, mostly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the film. It's much later on in the film. But the two films we talked about him on were episode 130, we reviewed The Devil's Rejects, and episode 205, Bubba Hotep, right? I think yep. he was like one of the uh, hearse drivers or like the paramedics or some shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, hearse driver. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, I remember... Like vaguely talking about that. All right, uh, one of those guys. He's worked and the, a lot with like Rob Zombie and shit. Yeah. His goddamn Morris Morris Green. Yeah, I think he was in Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, Rob Zombies. That is, of course. Um, he was Jay Leno, right? Yeah. It was that late shift. Yeah, the late shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who starred opposite. I'm always forget who the fuck starred opposite of him. Played Letterman. But yeah, that's kind of interesting, man. All right. We've talked about this actress before. 
back on episode 106, we reviewed Starry Eyes. I'm talking about Fabienne Therese. She plays the role of Amy Larking in the film. A few other things of note from her. She is in the film The Aggression Scale. She was in the film A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III. She's in the film Southbound and the film Teenage Cocktail. We've got Johnny Weston. He plays the role of Justin White. He's kind of like the uh, gangster wannabe <laughs> in the film. Oh, shit. Wait, sorry. When you said she was in Starry Eyes, I had to try yeah, yeah. to remember, and I looked oh, it yeah. up real quick. She's the one that's always trying to steal the roles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she gets it real good. <laughs> yeah, she's cutie pie. But anyway, Johnny Weston, Justin White in the film. Film I've actually watched before is a film called Chasing Mavericks. It's about surfing. I've seen Chasing Mavericks. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. good film, man. Mm-hmm. I think he was the main kid in the film, if I'm not mistaken. He was in the film Sugar. He's a part of the Divergent series in the film Insurgent. He's also in the film Allegiant, and he was in the film Taken, part three. All right, we have Allison Weissman. She plays the role of Shelley. She was in the films Sex Drive, which is a National Lampoon's film. She was in the series Melissa and Joey, which is kind of interesting. Melissa Joan Hart, and I can't remember Joey's last name, but and she was also in the film Walk of Fame. Mm. All right, a few other people of note. I've got Jimmy Wong. He plays the role of Fred Chu. He was in the web series, which was called Video Game High School. Some people might recognize it was a web series from 2012 through 2014. He was in the film The Circle. He was also in the television series Parker Plays from 2017 through 18. He was in the live action version of Mulan. I still need to watch that. Yeah. I've heard very mixed reviews, but it looked like a pretty decent wushu movie to me. Yeah, it's like, who knows? But uh, last but not least on that, he was in the film Wish Dragon. All right, we have Ty Bennett. He plays the role of Bruce Matthews, a.k.a. Robert Marley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was in the films Enemy Territory. He was in Jack Frost Part 2. He was in Westworld back in 2016, which is really neat. And he was also part of 911 television series in 2021. All right, we have Ethan Erickson. He is Sergeant McElroy. He is way towards the end of the film. He is like one of two guys that comes down to greet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, okay. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer television series back in 96 through 97. He was in the film Jawbreaker. Some people might have seen him in the films The In Crowd and Packed with a Devil. And he was in Fashion House television series back in 2006. Fucking Jawbreaker might need a rewatch. That's I remember that being a good film. movie. That's a really good film. Uh, I talked about Dexter. Um, one of the actresses, one of the main actresses, Julie, I can't remember her last name, but she was in Dexter for oh, okay. several se- yeah. seasons. Anyway, Angus Scrim. Plays a role of Father Shelnut. As mid, like mid, I said, mid, as mid, if mid. we need to introduce him on the show. Tall man in all the Phantasm movies. The tall man. Yeah. The tall man. The Fuck tall man. Fuck me and my tall man pussy. Right. We've talked about him in, in episode 88, which we reviewed. Wishmaster. He was like the narrator. Right. All right. We also talked about him on episode 189, where he was like a shady mortician in I Sell the Dead. That's where, right. okay. yeah, he was hiring them as body snatchers. What number was that? 189. It was that long ago? I know. It does not feel like it was that long ago. And that was our introduction to Larry uh, Fessenden, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. So, yeah, that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. We should give you some warnings. Warning. God, like, there's some... Decent blood and gore. Yeah, it's not. Gonna, there's not a lot of it, but no. when it's on screen, it looks. Yeah, it looks good. 
There's some weird creature stuff. Yes, there's nudity. There is nudity. There's drugs. There's drug use. Extensive drug use, technically. Like, very much. The entire movie is (laughs) from the perspective of someone who is on a extreme drug. Yeah. Which is why we chose this movie for our 420 episode. There's decapitation and stuff like that. Yeah. So... This would, to me, without getting into details, not just a horror comedy, it's a cosmic horror comedy. Oh, yes, absolutely. I still want to beat around the bush right now and not get into the details of what happens in this movie, but it is absolutely, like, 100% cosmic horror. Without a doubt. (laughs) Yeah. This is... That's kind of what we were getting at earlier. Like, this isn't... The normal extraterrestrial yeah. problem. This isn't an alien invasion. No. Now, yeah, I'm saying that that it's the not, term alien is very loose here. I mean, it, it's accurate, but it's kind of vague. They are extraterrestrial. They are alien. Right. It's not not close great alien stuff. Yeah. It's not fucking ET and stuff like that. It's not District Nine. No. It's not. I mean, it's not even like enemy mine or something no, like that. I, you hit the nail on the head where it's more akin to cosmic horror, more more so in the vein of probably like some Stuart Gordon kind of stuff. Absolutely. With with H.P. Lovecraft influence is what we're getting at. This has more in common with From Beyond than it has with Choose a Fucking Alien Invasion movie. Like, Oh, shit. I mean, just like Invasion of Mars or whatever. Yeah. Mars Attacks, stuff like that. This has more in <laughs> this has more in common with uh, from beyond than it does with killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, it really does. It really does. <laughs> but it, that's fair. That is a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. So, <laughs> did we say language? language. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> should be a given. And if not, it's definitely us. <laughs> yeah. If you can't get through us fucking talking, I opened the fucking show with an f bomb. Yeah. So if you made it this far. It's going to be easy peasy yeah, with the peasy. language. <laughs> Let's get into talking and finding out how John dies at the end made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Well, just to reiterate, and because we are both sparking back up again, happy 420, buddy. Yeah, happy 420. I mean, we're early, but... That's okay. Better early than late in this That's case. Right. <laughs> John dies at the end. Holy shit, I'm glad to rewatch this movie. Man, you're not getting it. And once again, what helps is having some of these analytical eyes to actually kind of really delve into this film. Like I said, we were supposed to have a guest. Part of the reason I was super excited to have him as a guest is because most of my work at my actual job overlaps exactly with his. So he's heard me talk about every fucking movie we've covered anyway. Do you know how hard it's going to be to fucking explain this movie to him? I thought I was hoping he was just going to be here so we could fucking talk about it now. That's okay. Motherfuck. Because this is an excuse to, to have him back over, though. That's right. But, like, what the fuck do you, where do you start? That's a good point. This shit's wild. Yeah, yeah it's not what? an easy one to explain, really, like, in just a very casual conversation. No. Like, in this case, I'm, I'm kind of glad that. Some people don't give a, a shit about my fucking love of fucking horror movies and, like, will never ask me because I don't want to have to try to explain this 
to that many times. <laughs> and any explanation isn't going to get across what this movie is. No. Not proper, at least. I guess I'll start with... There's something we bring up that this is in relation to that we, we talk about with a lot of movies. And unlike a lot of other movies, I don't know if there's a fucking wasted frame in this movie. I don't think there's anywhere you could have cut... Everything that's in this movie needs to be in this root movie for one reason or another. I agree. Because it ties everything together. Every fucking frame of this movie needs to be in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Because we're in this section, too, I'll go ahead and say it, is uh, Paul Giamatti even talked about the fact that he knew there was going to be a lot of content that was going to be cut. Mm -hmm. And he said that was kind of a shame because there was so much good stuff that they filmed. He said it made him a little bit sad knowing that. He says, but, you know, he says, knowing how the film is, that's, you know, he knows it's going to be fine because of who's on it. But, man, can you imagine all the other stuff that was cut out? Right. Yeah. Well, and I haven't read it yet. It's probably going to be the next book I read. But from what I understand is that this movie is basically just like the first act of the book with the third act ending kind of stapled on. Yeah, there's some stuff, which I still haven't read the novel. I've had it for several years, still haven't read it, though. I started looking up some info about it, and then saw enough that I realized that I just want to read the book without too many spoilers. Too many spoilers, yeah. yeah. But it did help me answer a question that actually, that I kind of had about the movie, and sort of starts off the movie. Because the movie starts with just a hilariously done version of the ship of Theseus. Yeah, which is really cool. Which, if you've never seen this film before, if you don't even know what that is, which I didn't know that what that was heading into this, it's like, that's kind of clever because knowing that, it, it makes sense how they framed it. <laughs> you know, at, at least the question, like, what was going on in the scene and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he use this axe currently on this guy, but he, ha- he kept having to replace the parts. So it was no longer really the original. Yeah, it's <laughs> But like, somehow the guy who got killed by it recognizes it. <laughs> so it was kind of clever. Yeah, it's a, you know, a philosophical conundrum. Is it the same axe or not? Yeah. The guy recognizes it as being the same axe. It's so funny, yeah. It is like, even he, like, it coincidentally was kind of sewn together too, his head mm-hmm. and shit. So it was kind of the same concept. It's weird that they keep this in the movie, though, because it kind of seems like it's a thesis point for the movie when it's just laid out like that. It ends yeah. up just being that you you understand more what's going on in the scene once you've gone through the movie. The one thing I saw about the book is that that scene ends up making even more sense because of what happens, I think, to David, maybe John. But one of them gets just full-on replaced by an alternate dimension version of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to speculate either, because I'm not sure. So it ends up making the ship of Theseus... I see what you're saying, yeah. ...relate to him. Wow, that's really cool. I see what you're saying. Well, if this But it's weird that it's in the movie, because they don't do that in the movie. It ends up just being a bunch of things that you end up recognizing later. No, that's kind of cool. I know you're saying, because I mean, it's based on the novel and he's pulling a lot from the novel, of course. 
and there's only so much you can trying to do visually and mm-hmm. storytelling wise in this case an hour and a half roughly. I was about to say and time wise and budget wise. Yeah. So we talked about the fact that it's under a million dollars with the cast it has and what they're trying to pull off. Kurtzman on board too. You know, they do mm-hmm. a fucking good job. I guess upon rewatch, that opening sequence is just so much funnier, but also makes so much more sense. Like how fucking weirded out Paul Giamatti looks when David yeah. asks, are you my father? <laughs> no, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's not, but it is. But once you know. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. But it, I mean, you can add, you can see why he asked. but it's also like you were saying where the axe and the guy that got killed by the axe are kind of being mirrored against each other paul giamatti comes in and he's like well you're not asian (laughs) that's funny but it's kind of the same thing right absolutely absolutely which I know this is a spoiler not, section and right, I'm dancing around we're already it. But here. We're already here. So if you made it this far, you've either A, watched it or you want to know what the fuck the film's about. So Paul Giamatti's black. Yes. Yes. He's unaware of that for the same reasons why he thinks Dave is Chinese. And we learned that Dave, he's seeing Paul Giamatti as a white guy, where in reality he's actually a black guy. We don't know that until almost towards the end of the film. Right. It's, it's just the it's way the it's big, framed in the beginning is funny. It's the biggest reveal in the movie in a way. Yes, absolutely. Even though it's only, it's not actually related to the plot of no, the story that's being told. It's related to the story framing device. Yes, absolutely. Because it, it uses that to also give us examples throughout the film of that as well. So it, it strengthens that Encounter, even though you might not be aware of it, mm-hmm. of these mirroring and um, seeing things that aren't actually what you're seeing and shit like that. I think I mean, he he says stuff like that at the beginning of the film with this idea in mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's framing the film for us. Yeah, Paul Giamatti shows up because David's got a story to tell him. And he's he's trying to get this story out. It's just, wow. But it's so wild that, like, he doesn't know. Like, nobody's going to believe it. And he's basically, like, trying to get this writer to help him, like, figure it out. Yes, exactly. Like, how do I get my story out? And how do I convince you that it is real? Mm Mm-hmm. And second time through, I actually noticed they give a couple... There's, like, one line in the movie that indicates that, like, the story that he's telling actually happened, like, two or three years prior. Yes, That they've just been dealing with this shit this entire time. I think actually like how he like tells about is basically Shelly. Like he goes back and tells this Shelly story and he's like, this is how it all started, which is neat because it it even gives us like an example of their supernatural hunting, I suppose. It's almost, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. They, They don't really say that, that that's what they do, but they show you what they do. And when I say they, Dave and John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get that, and you also get, you know, they showed the, the party where everything started, all in, all in this, like, early on mm-hmm. conversation, which is how he's trying to, like, frame it. But it, I think it starts off with the Shelley encounter, which is post... Yeah, the Shelley encounter is post the party. Yes, so it's yeah. it's not necessarily the beginning, but it's 
Definitely prior to them having this interview. Right, because the Shelley encounter, the rest of the movie explains why they know Clancy Brown enough for the Shelley encounter to happen the way it does. Yeah, and that's kind of funny because it starts off with Dave getting a phone call from John wanting to come over with beer, giving him coded language. Mm-hmm. But but Dave wades up to a Marconi infomercial, <laughs> which is funny as hell. You know, so it's kind of framing him like, oh, this guy is full of shit. He's on TV. So the party was at least two years ago because mm-hmm. of a line that Paul Giamatti says. Yes, Because absolutely. in the middle part of the movie, or right around the switch to from the second to the third act, is when he's talking about when all the people died at, was it at Jason White's place? Yeah, that Justin White kids. So Shitload? Yeah, yeah, shitload. I think it was his place. Yeah, Because Paul Giamatti then puts it together, and he's like, Oh, that was like whatever he called it, the right, something massacre. Right, 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 right. I thought some kids had just <laughs> gotten a hold party. of Yeah, the rave part. It's like I thought some kids had just gotten a hold of some bad ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he knows that is in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that in mind, exactly. So that means the Shelley incident happens somewhere, somewhere between. between the end of the party uh-huh. story uh-huh. and now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're at exactly not sure. So does that mean, did John actually call him to come over that night, or was that still one of the phone calls from the party night? It could be. It very well, because he, he even told him, he's like, you're going to be getting calls of me for like seven or eight years. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he must have called him a lot. I was thinking about that the second time through. I'm like, it doesn't matter which night it was, That's because so either way, John is expecting him to come over. Yeah, this, I mean, it's a little bit Rick and Morty in that sense, too. Like, they're playing with a lot of time stuff mm-hmm. here, man. <laughs> it literally doesn't matter when that call was placed, but it's wild that it could have been placed yeah. during the party night. It very well could have been. That's Because they've used it before. They know mm-hmm. it's a coded language they're using on the phone. Which the code is also hilarious because the code is basically everything you could possibly say into a phone to get the NSA and the fucking yeah. FBI on your ass. <laughs> was it like tomorrow we're gonna kill the president? Yeah, that means I'm supposed to bring some beers over. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's hilarious. But yes, when Dave arrives to John's, John has a young lady over, Shelley, who is dealing what appears to be an abusive boyfriend, but. The boyfriend has been dead for two months, and he only appears like late at night, typically down in the basement. So John is like, I told her we'd help her out tonight. Let's go ahead and check it out, you know, take care mm-hmm. of this guy, whatever. And so, like I so said, they go down there, they check it out, and in the middle of the conversation, you know, they're they're finding like the meat storage, freezer, whatever, a lot of meat in there. If you're really paying attention, you see like brain and shit in there, too. <laughs> right? But they're describing Shelly. And it makes Dave think, this is kind of one of the first examples. He's like, hold on, wait a minute. You said Shelly looks like this girl named Amber. He's like, describe her to me. He's like, you know, she's petite, top-heavy, blonde. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, Shelly's got brown hair, dude. <laughs> and she's frail. And then she appears on the steps. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Oh, she- dude. One of my favorite moments is in this entire sequence here. Okay. Right? It's after... You know, Dave is like, hey, Shelly, we, we got a problem here. We're both seeing different versions of you. And as they're describing what 
they see her as, she kind of poofs and all these snakes appear, right? And John goes to run upstairs. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grabs the penis the fucking, doorknob. <laughs> the fucking handle turns into a giant fucking dick. He says, this door cannot be opened. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I, Oh, shit. I need to backtrack a little bit. Not necessarily on the film. But we didn't really talk about our origin. I do want to talk about this. The first time I ever watched this film, mm. coincidentally, was when I was moving out here. So I took an Amtrak, and uh, on the observation deck, I had a seat where I could put my laptop, put my headphones in. It was late at night, and I had this movie uh, on my laptop. I don't know how it got there, but it found its way there. And I was like, now would be a good time to watch it. So I watched it for the first time. And I, I remember as these events were playing out, I was like, holy shit, this is the film I've been looking for for a long time. And not necessarily like the actual film, but something like this. Mm -hmm. And being that it's Don Coscarelli was like an automatic, so. Yeah, that was some of the shit. I was like, holy hell yeah. Man, I I saw this before, but I can remember shit about it for the most part. I don't remember why I watched it for the first time. Maybe I saw it, like it popped up on Netflix or something, I would bet. I probably watched it the first time within months beforehand of when we first started this podcast. Wow, yeah. So I probably got this when it first came out, like whether it was on the internet, because it was 2013 when I watched it. Mm -hmm. Almost this time of year, it was like March. So yeah, damn, that's crazy. But I think it was just a weird, like, I was sitting around, wanted to watch something, was scrolling through Netflix, and was like, well, I've heard of this because yeah. I remember when the book was being written. Boom, there it is. <laughs> I honestly didn't remember shit about it, except yeah. for Paul no, Giamatti's like, in it, and the fucking soy sauce was a trip. <laughs> yep, that. And I remember what we're about to get into is once Dave tries to, or not Dave, but John tries to open the door and comes back downstairs, they're confronted by a meat man, because all the meat that was in that freezer <laughs> reassembles into a creature that actually thinks they're Marconi. That shit was funny. Um, did it... Like, it doesn't look anything like it, but did it yeah. weirdly remind you of the fucking shit demon in Dogma? <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I do own the Blu-ray of this, and I did watch the behind-the-scenes when they constructed that. It's actually just, like, a lot of foam that was just painted mm. and stuff. They did a really good job of constructing good. that, yeah. They made a suit for a guy who was on set who happened to have, like, this physique that fit the costume they were making and they oh, just okay. put him in there and yeah <clears throat> it was kind of neat they had like you know the upper body <clears throat> you would wear zip up they had a little part where you zip up and cover it up with some mm -hmm. of the you know meat and uh yeah it was kind of neat watching all that stuff so they did a really good job with that dude the shit that fucking sold me on this <laughs> like all over again was just the way the whole segment wraps up it's just like oh you're not Marconi? They're like, no, but we can get you through to him. Yeah, we got a direct leak. We got a direct leak. Yeah, and they do. They get a hold of him. And as soon as he fucking, like, makes his threat, poof, boom, you're like, fuck, all right. They're like, oh, shit, Marconi's good. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Whatever he had to say, Marconi fucked him up. And then this is where it gets into the original, like, how they got a hold of the drug that night at a show where John happened to be playing. He was in a band called Three Arms Alley. And 
I'll go with the song that they were, they were singing down as Camel Holocaust. Dude, Camel Holocaust <laughs> is wild, and I kind of hated it, but kind of loved it. I like how he opened the song. He's like, one time I knew a guy. I made that powered up. <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> it's funny. Silly. I'm trying to think. So, Three Arm Sally. There's another significant amputation late that comes up right. very soon. Is there any other amputations that I'm missing? Is there a weird amputation thing going on in this movie, or is that it? Right now, that's all I'm aware of, as far as I know. I think that's it. Yeah, as far as I know. Still, three-arm Sally. Was it? I don't know if that's in reference to exactly. No, but I'm. I mean, I'm, I but I'm wondering if it it's supposed to be weird foreshadowing. Was it the Perhaps. correct arm to be her? It was the left arm, wasn't it? Well, there's a guy that does get his arm ripped off. Oh, that's true. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. You know. So, uh, maybe, perhaps. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> but, yeah, John is playing. Dave is at the party. Wanders around. Runs into Robert Marley, the Jamaican guy. Right? Well, I think it's before that. Before that, actually, he, he bumps into, uh, like, some dude at the party, but... Amy's getting kind of teased by Justin, mm-hmm. and he's fucking around with her hand, and the hand gets thrown onto the truck bed where Dave is at. Is that a fantasy leg situation? Yeah, I'm like, damn. What she says is kind of fucked up. She's like, no, it's the fantasy limb. and <laughs> Not fantasy. <laughs> phantom limb syndrome. Yeah, phantom limb, limb syndrome. She's it's like, all amputees get it, and it goes yeah, away. And it eventually. goes away. Dick. <laughs> yeah, and she actually says something which is interesting. It's easy not to pay attention to what she says, but she says, I have to go find my dog. It bit, bit a Jamaican guy. Mm, which that is super important in this film, which I didn't catch that till the second no, time through. I've seen this film a couple of times and, and it didn't dawn on me that she actually said that, even though he mentions it later on in the film. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So. With that being said, that's when he wanders off and bumps into the Jamaican guy. And the Jamaican guy is, you know, hey, you're a skeptic. Let me try to make you a believer. And, you know, he does like the typical, like, there's something behind your ear, except for the quarter, it's a cockroach. He's like, all right, whatever. Uh, He's like, well, let me tell you about the dream you had. (laughs) Tells him his dream. He's like, oh, shit. How do you know this? And he, but that last part was cool because he's getting at him. And he's like, yeah, he talks about the thunder clapping. That was so fucking cool. And like, it got intense there. That actually, it and like, I was stoned enough that I was sitting there like, yeah, how? But I, not only is it philosophical, but I think it's also a weird meta commentary oh, yeah. on how often bullshit like that happens in. Oh, TV and movies. Yeah, of course, man. Everybody's always being woke up by perfectly timed thunder and perfectly <laughs> timed lightning. It is kind of cliche. It's understandable, but it is one of those stoner moments for us where it's like, oh, shit, bro. I know. I was sitting there like, oh, fuck yeah. Have you ever woken up by the thunderclap, bro? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it happens, man. Sometimes it's just weird coincidences, you know. Chalk it up, whatever you want to. It's just... Is what it is. I, you know, if it's the gods, it's the gods, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know. But it makes, like I said, Dave, okay, like, okay, maybe there's something to it. And he starts to kind of walk away. And then he's like, I, you want to know about your dad and where he was on your birthday and all this other shit. And it's like, all right, he's kind of hit. You know when the first nuclear bombs will hit American soil? Yeah. You want to know the city? city? Yeah, you're like, 
God damn. So he's kind of like, this is some of the stuff that probably Dave was thinking about when he's mm-hmm. alone because he's hitting some points there. And Dave walks off, happens to bump into Barkley, which is the dog. Well, coincidence? No. So, all right. Since we're already talking about this, I'm kind of guiding us through this anyway. At that point, the dog's already exposed to the sauce. Yeah, he's been exposed to the sauce for probably a couple hours at this point, really. Right. It's, it's, we know it's, it's bitten the dude, but we, like you said, we don't know how long. It can mm-hmm. be hours at this point. So it makes me wonder, too, like at what point did the dog have contact with Marconi? Was it at that party, perhaps? Right, well, hmm. Or somewhere in between? Well, not just Marconi. No, it had contact with a bunch of people. Because it had contact with Marconi and Roger North. Yeah, I was at a bunch of people. Which is why it knows what needs to be done. Right, so it was setting things in motion. Next to the truck. The truck. (laughs) Because it knew it had. The sauce chooses you. Yep. And if it doesn't need you, it kills you. So it needed the dog, Barkley. It needed Dave. It needed John. Mm hmm. So that's what we're finding out. But we don't know this at first, which is interesting. I was like, oh, well, what a weird coincidence. There, There's a fucking dog. But why isn't he, like, returning it immediately to Amy? Who else's dog would that be? Right. Well, isn't he trying to find Amy, and that's why he leaves, and that's why he's I not probably everyone else smoking J's at Justin's? Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's a or, good point no, too. they were in, uh, where did uh, fucking John said it was the parking lot of the fucking... Like gas station or something. Yeah, they were smoking jays. Was they were smoking jays, and then once the needle came out, Robert Marley busted out the needle. Most of them fucked yeah. off. It's like yeah, they got scared. They fucked off. Mm-hmm. He's like, you still injected yourself? They like fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> but David would definitely would have been there if he wouldn't have been out looking for Amy. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that's also the reason why he wasn't like everyone else dies, but he wasn't at the party, so he didn't get like basically marked for death yeah so. literally everyone because john dies even <laughs> like everyone yeah. who was at the party except for him dies that's just why oh um let's see here somewhere along the line dave gets another call from john telling him to come over and he does and this time john's kind of freaking out and he tells him he's like there's he, he's intimating that there's a creature there and, and mm-hmm. not to make like quick movements and shit and he finally gets to the point where he runs out of the apartment. And Dave finds a gun. But you also see that weird little creature in the corner. Yep. That's like, what the fuck is that? And they start driving off. And Dave is just chalking it up that John's having like a bad trip or something. He needs to get him to the ER. He's kind of, you know, whatever. He's faded and shit. And here's where he kind of gets interesting, I think, is uh, he winds up getting the needle Mm-hmm. Puts it in his pocket. I think he finds it too. Puts it in his pocket along with the the pistol and shit. Yep. But John winds up like passing out, and he's just like, maybe he has a mental illness, or maybe I'm going crazy or something. And he's he has a necklace on. This is Dave, and it has uh, it's the Saint, Saint Christopher, Christopher necklace. Yeah, and on the back of it, he's, you know, he got a prob called Saint Dominic's. So he does, and it happens to be Father Shellnut, which is Angus Scrim, mm-hmm. right? And he's asking him. He's like, how you know? How would I know if such and such is crazy, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, they're having a casual conversation about maybe trying to get help, you know, for mental illness, whatever. And then fucking Dave gets poked by the soy. Mm -hmm. And then that's when shit changes real drastically. Like he is tripping out and he's like, 
all right, I think I'm good. Uh, he's like, no. <laughs> he starts to tell him. He's basically telling him, um, you know, that. Well, he tells him about his mom, like, writing and shit in the oh, mental hospital. Right. And then he tells him about Dead World. <laughs> and, like, it sounds like post-apocalyptic world that he's going to be witness to. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so he rides off. And when that happens, that's when you get Roger North, who is Doug Jones, in the back seat, puts his fucking creature thing on Dave's chest. Oh, right. He's like, what the fuck is happening right now? So all this is happening in secession, right? It gets to the point where he stops the car, he gets the fucking worm, whatever creature things out, kills it, has the um, the gun pointed at Doug. He says something funny to him. Because he's oh, telling him all like these... fucking hilarious. He's telling him dude. these... Uh, Rogers, you haven't written... I didn't write it down. I did. Okay. Roger's telling him these things, kind of like, you know, which is... I don't know. I've heard it prior to this film, but it's like, have you ever wondered, like, or, or thought, the, whenever you hear a new word, you'll hear it within twenty four hours. So he's kind of like giving like these certain kind mm-hmm. of concepts, ideas. <laughs> but it, that's where Dave kind of turns. Well, it he's on. asking him these questions, implying that there's a reason why they're happening. Yes, it's not just whatever a coincidence or yeah. There's mm-hmm. reasons for these things, but that's when Dave like turns the tables on him because he has the gun, puts it up to his th- his chin. And he tells him, he says, have you ever heard the phrase, I want to shoot you so bad my dick's hard? <laughs> He's like, you'll hear it again in 24 hours. You don't quit fucking with me. <laughs> I'm like, this movie has some good zingers, man. So, yeah, that happens. They want to fucking off. But then that's so what So this happens. is the spoiler section. <laughs> What's with the slugs? That's Because it's implied later on They're that part of somebody this, like, is using the slug, like... Because the or plague or some shit, the opening scene implies that the slugs are part of the scheme of whoever's out to get him. Yeah, but yeah. we know because of the end of the movie that Roger North is actually one of the good guys. Exactly. So I don't know, man. That's weird. Maybe it's just some sort of extra, well, extra dimensional know, fucking weapon of some sort. I was gonna like, say it, it, very it might well, just be common use. I, I'd say it could be. Something of that nature, like just a, a destabilizing thing, or uh, who knows, right? Right, a neutralizer, maybe. Just because we're used to guns, right? It could be. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about some creatures and interdimensional, alternate universe shit. <laughs> you know, it it defies kind of our our reason and logic here. But that's a good question because I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it appears like it might have some sinister byproduct of it, but I don't know for certain. Anywho, the whole point is, is after that encounter, he has an immediate fucking encounter with the detective. He's right. like, I need to take you guys to the uh, downtown precinct because of all the shit that's happening. And Dave and John are at the precinct. John's somewhere in a different room, whatever, uh, because he's passed out. He's been passed mm-hmm. out in the car. And he's questioning Dave, the detective that is, and he's bringing up the people at the party he's asking about this person and that person he's like yeah this person either disappeared or they died this party justin you know and then he's like yeah i remember this kid what was happening yada yada the bob marley guy what's happening with that and then it gets kind of cut off because another detective comes in is like we have an emergency winds up john's dead Mm -hmm. but in the midst of that Dave was left alone with another cop who hasn't said shit the whole fucking time, the mustache guy. Yeah. And he gets a phone call, Dave does, and it happens to be John. And he's like, am I dead? <laughs> he's like, have you made it out to the curb yet? So what he's telling him, he's like, just relax. 
He's like, this is what's happening. Can you get my body? He's like, what? No. Well, all this time, yeah. he's been, like, freaking out and starting to, like, notice the weird effects that yes, he's feeling because of time and shit and, and yeah, the way exactly. it's like, he knows I think the this is a good point. I think this is a good point for us to talk about the sauce for yeah, the minute. Yeah, I like that, too. So we've been kind of skirting around how the sauce works. You're this right. is maybe my favorite version of inducing... Or trying to induce because it doesn't seem to actually work on either of our characters at least <laughs> sort of lovecraftian madness cosmic horror madness yeah, like that. he's not tripping not in a traditional hallucinogenic yeah, sense that's a good point it's not like he's doing shrooms or something or it's the sauce allows him to, to basically see with different dimensional filters on there's I mentioned somewhere, I can't remember exactly who says it, but they were talking about frequencies or channels. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it is. I think I know it is. It's, um, I think it's the detective who tells him, it's like, like country music. He's like, it's out there. Mm-hmm. He's just, you just got to kind of tune into it. So in this sense, that's kind of like the drug. It's, you got to tune into it and it's helping you find that channel. So what we were getting at before is like, yes, some of the creatures he's up against are aliens, but they're not coming from outer space. Like a different dimension and they're coming from, yeah, from other dimensions, other universes, other realities that probably like overlap ours, maybe like yeah. membrane. I, there's ideas of membranes, like you you know, mm-hmm. like the membranes might overlap each other, so you might be seeing things that don't exist in, kind of like from beyond, like you were saying, where they're there, but unless you like kind of recognize them, you really can't interact with each other. That kind of yeah. shit. And even then, sometimes you might not be able to. Right, right, right. It's, there's it's still the only reason some... he is because the sauce. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, by the end of the movie, we run into an alternate Earth civilization yeah. that is dedicated to trying to cross into. It, it sounds very specifically like they're trying to cross into the whatever the death dimension is, not necessarily any dimension. Right. No, you're right. But, like, they have an entire society dedicated to trying to cross over, and they haven't been able to yet. Not yet. They're trying. They've been trying. But it's also, like, when weird shit does happen, it's because of this shit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the implication. Wow. And that's so much better than just fucking math and angles, Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I like... This is, in my opinion, I think this might be the perfect update for Cosmic Horror. It it really is. And in the use of, like, humor and kind of, like, skipping around with time and things like that, it, it, it is really a perfect companion, man. Almost in a updated noir mm-hmm. sense, the way it's told, like, the, the pacing, kind of like the detective work, leg work. I mean, when Shelley. Shelley, yeah. Like, the way the Shelley story started, I'm like, well, she's the femme fatale. This is a fucking noir story. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is kind of... It reminded me a little bit, and I, I described this to somebody earlier this week, like, a little bit like Naked Lunch, mm. like a Burroughs kind of story, you know, is mm-hmm. fucking weird. It almost has, like, a, a drug s- storytelling aspect, like maybe a Hunter S. Thompson. Kind of like that little bit beatnik writing, but it's not. It's... Kind of like an updated version of that a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, with Cosmic Core as the background. <laughs> like, all right, I like that. So even things like, well, I mean, time travel is also possible. Yeah. 
because we see that explicitly at one point, but that just ties back into how Robert Marley was telling him, like, time isn't going through a garden. Yeah, I, I like he said, it's an ocean, yeah. And it's I was like, that is really cool. You Which, could also argue that, like, when David is sitting there getting questioned and he's starting to know the questions right before he's saying them, that he might also just be looking into an alternate reality where they started the conversation a second sooner. Precisely, man. And that's really interesting because that drug, if you will, mm-hmm. like you were saying, it helps you tap into all these possibilities. Whereas, you know, using the like this analogy, you're kind of tuned into the frequency of our reality. Like whatever reality you're a part of, that's where your brain and everything else, your being is mm-hmm. tapped into. But with this sauce, like I said, it gives you access to all these other dimensions and realities and what have you. So that's what he's experiencing. Also to note, I believe we've brought it up before, but maybe not everyone realizes this. Because I feel like most people know what the fuck Cthulhu is now. You would hope. (laughs) Especially if you listen to horror, goddamn. I mean, if you're listening to our (laughs) podcast, you almost certainly know. But just like, maybe this is your first episode. Yeah, like I said, everybody has a a jumping off point. Or maybe you're into horror, but you don't give a shit about Lovecraft stuff. Yeah, that's okay. That's about, you know, cosmic horror, that sort of thing. I see people, like, every once in a while theorizing, like, oh, man, would a nuke fucking take out Cthulhu? No. (laughs) For one very easy reason. We're only seeing the portion of Cthulhu that exists in our reality, and he's a multidimensional being. Yeah, that's kind of like... He exists in multiple dimensions all at the same time. Exactly. So maybe you'd blow off his pinky toe. Yeah, it's like, I don't know exactly how I'd use that as like an analogy or what have you, but... like, But it's saying, the same it's, idea. Like, Right. It, it's one of those ideas or concepts where it seems just because you could see something like, oh, there it is. Like, no, that could just be... What you're seeing or we're able to see in our dimension because of that overlap, whereas they could be something else in a higher dimension. And there's the thing. That's the thing that drives <laughs> Lovecraftian narrators insane by the end of a story. I can understand that. Yeah. Is because they look at something and they realize the multidimensional part of it. It's not because they look at something so ugly that it drives them crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. It's just the horror aspect of, the, like, this thing, whatever I'm witnessing, yeah, it has higher dimensions that I'm not able to realize. And this glimpse of them I, that I am seeing. Right, is horrific, as is. And it's too be, much information. Uh, yeah, and everything else that's beyond that is just, I, I don't want to imagine that. It's like what Robert Marley was saying is, like, do you want to know when the first nuclear bomb hits American soil? Do you want to know the city? That's the kind of information that is just being shoved into your brain when you Man, look at a creature like th- Cthulhu. That's a, that's a solid point. That's like maybe for lack of better metaphor or analogy is like tapping into the matrix. Like mm-hmm. you're exposed to every bit of information all at once and it is literally an information overload and it could be a shock to the system for most. And a lot of information sucks. Right, it's not everything, yeah, all information is good. It's kind of like the same thing, like, not every omen is a bad omen. Well, not all bits of information is good information. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, yeah, you're going to see some shit you don't want to see, or know stuff you don't want to know. That's what drives Lovecraft narrators crazy. Whoa, that's heavy. That's super heavy. But these guys, 
are kind of big enough slackers that it yeah. doesn't affect them the same way because they kind of just don't care. That's kind of like they're indifferent. They're kind of like, well, okay, well, we kind of already knew this. What? Like, okay. <laughs> we, okay. I still have to keep doing shit, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, I still have to I exist. just don't, I just won't <laughs> let this kill me. Yeah, it's like, that is kind of funny. It's like, it's such an impasse way of like, all right, well, we already seen what the worst is. What what else you got? Yeah, we've survived this at least. We know how to handle it in our dimension or in the next one, mm-hmm. applied by these rules or whatever. <laughs> but it is kind of like a carefree attitude, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it is kind of I like that. It's funny, but yeah, the sauce, man. I mean, that's it's a heavy concept, and it's not simply a drug. It's not just that. Hence, like the soy sauce. Yeah. What the fuck is it? I don't know. It looks like soy sauce, but it's not soy sauce. <laughs> no. And it seems to be alive. Ascension. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Oh, well, not what I'm saying, but at least if you're really going to start thinking about it. Not that the film warrants this because, you know, it's not really, but. I mean, arguably the soy sauce is a creature on the same power level as Cthulhu. God, what I'm, that's kind of what I was going to ask, or like maybe even positing a question in the sense like how far back does that thing go the sauce is it a sentient being Mm -hmm. is not yeah like it chooses you so that's like it has to have some kind of consciousness and once again if we're talking cosmic horror sentient doesn't have to mean the thing that we consider it to be right right which is also a heavy concept to think about right well we've already talked about that Different dimensions, higher dimensions. Yeah, it very well fits that same narrative. But it it fits in, once again, I'm just going to keep coming back around to Cthulhu because it's the easiest way to explain these things. In Sunken Relier, Dead Cthulhu Lies Dreaming. He's called Dead Cthulhu because being a multidimensional entity, the type of hibernation that he is in when resting in the sunken city of Relier is... Such a deep and alien rest that the only word humans have for it is death. Yeah. That's but the, he's not dead. dead. Right. It's as close as you can get to death in our sense of it. And it's the only word we have for it. It's the only right. way we can understand what... Like you're saying, it's the it's a cosmic slumber, if you will. Mm-hmm. Whatever that entails. Like, it could be billions of years or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea is we can't comprehend what he's right. actually it's doing. Too, it's too much to comprehend. Like I, I know mm-hmm. we've had the conversation before, but it's that it is still it's it's beyond imagination. Is beyond any kind of earthly concept. So in that same manner, the soy sauce might be sentient, or it might be something else that we don't have the words to describe. Yeah, it could be beyond the bounds of our own existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking heavy and that's the thing that i enjoy about it's not just this film but films like this in general cosmic horror the genre subgenre is that you can toy around with these concepts and ideas because it's still rooted somewhat in our reality meaning like space and time and the concepts mm-hmm. and all this stuff but you're throwing in heavier concepts like, like what old, does space and time mean right it's not just space and planets it's like maybe there's these other things that exists at higher planes of consciousness and reality and stuff like that. Or what if you're just too limited in observing it? Right, yeah, right, right. Time well, absolutely looks like a fucking stream to if every I, human. I, I think maybe, I may be like generalizing here, but to maybe give a more real world, like, 
comparison. If you're not sold on the idea of what we're trying to sell you here, you know, with Cthulhu and all the, like, I don't believe in all this stuff. All right, well, here's something, a simpler concept, right, is our vision. You are only able to see, you know, because of how our eyes are, are designed and all this other stuff, right? Meaning, like, we can't see x-ray, we can't see ultraviolet, but they do exist, and there's ways that we can perceive those images. Mm-hmm with technology and things of that nature too. So what I'm getting at is those things exist even though we're not able to see them. When some things don't exist that we do see, magenta. Uh, right. We, we've talked about that too, right? For the same reasons. It's like this is how our eyes perceive this voided space. Yeah. <laughs> it's like This what? weird combination of... Right. So this is what it made up mm-hmm. to fill in that void, if you will. So yeah, it, it's... That's a heavy concept, in the, but that's what our mind does, and that's what it can do, and that's what why we're able to perceive certain things. But then there's also that concept that there are things beyond our perception and limited frame of our reality, mm-hmm. I suppose, if you will. So that's what I like about this stuff. It, it really makes the mind turn, and I can see why the characters in the, in the stories, they can go crazy because it's like, if you think about this too much, man, it would fuck you up. <laughs> Well, it's like, and I feel like there's a portion in the movie that it almost happens to David. A little bit. He starts to freak out a little bit. When he starts to do, like, the universe falling mm. thing, and he's starting to be like, well, does does any amount of free will exist? Because all of this, if we're all just particles, and it's all just, it's like, vibration and stuff, <laughs> yeah. and it's been sent out because of this, like, and there's no forces acting against it, does that mean it's all been predetermined because of that? And right. I didn't finish that thought because then I realized I wasn't in the kitchen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Maybe that's another reason why this is a... I won't say perfect, but it is, it's right in line with a really solid stoner movie, you know? Smoke enough of this, and you start thinking about stuff that's heavy, and then you throw in something like this that makes it even more heavy. Like, all right... <laughs> But it's it's so funny but that it's like playful. It's playful. his his ooh shiny personality <laughs> is what saves him from going existentially mad. You're right. You're right. That kind of carefree aloofness, kind of like all right. Well, I'm you know, <laughs> I got to get up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It's I like that though. It's clever. I lost where we were in the movie, but <laughs> no, I mean, not that necessarily that we have to go frame right. by frame, but maybe to speed things up, like all right. He gets out of the precinct. We've already talked about the fact that he gets a phone call from John because John's dead. Now, because he's on the phone, Dave, he has the encounter with that police officer who I mentioned. So the police officer, I want to bring this up real quick. Just he'll pop up until he doesn't in this movie from this point on. But the way he's playing that character, does it seem like he thinks he's the main character? Yes, absolutely. In his own story, his own, like, yeah, absolutely. He's the main character of his story. And the way he interacts with the world and the speeches he gives and stuff, it's like there's a whole nother movie being filmed oh, that is God. based around him. He is the main him. character. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. That is, you're right. Now, this is a little bit of a spoiler. Is in the novel, Dave, he thinks of the detective as Morgan Freeman because of his voice and shit, his mannerisms. Oh, okay, yeah. So I can see that a little bit in this film. Not, not necessarily like they're trying to, oh, this guy's Morgan Freeman, but he is kind of like a main character. I mean, Morgan Freeman's a main character. Well, I think like one of the things Dave does throughout the novel <laughs> is like people will remind him very briefly as a, of a celebrity, and he just <laughs> refers to them as that celebrity from then on out Yeah. to the point where 
Amy is a composite character. Yeah, I saw that. And one of the characters <laughs> is simply referred to as Jennifer Lopez, but it's not Jennifer Lopez. No, 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 no exactly. <laughs> it was just funny. But you, you're right. It's things like that. Because these guys are, in a lot of ways, these are kind of like you and me. Like these characters are yeah. just your average dudes. Your butt. And here's something too I wanted to, wanted to say about Don Coscarelli, which I noticed not only in this film. This film helped me realize this but he does a fantastic job when he pairs like duos together mm. like for instance in phantasm it's you know oh, mike yeah. and reggie or in bubba hotep you got you know um elvis and jfk right <laughs> you know and in this film you've got dave and john you know so he does a good job with teaming up these ordinary just average ass fucking dudes mm-hmm. and putting them in these extraordinary circumstances and just using just like, I don't know, this aloofness, this kind of confidence, you know, this this kind of, I don't know. It's kind of just like the, this is what we got to do now. Right. And they, they pull it off. They're capable. Is They're characters who aren't just like, oh, no, what do we do? Now, depending on the movie, like the other movies were more like realistically capable. Yeah. I feel like these guys are capable <laughs> For comedic effect. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Like, it's supposed to be funny that they're suddenly badasses. Right. It's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) But once again, the sauce chose them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they have that. They have that in them. But just it made me think about that. And I was like, man, yeah, actually, Costco really, he does a fantastic job of doing that. Like, he would probably do good with a buddy cop movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably, actually. We've talked about the cop a little bit. We touched on the time travel. Neither of those things explain why a fly getting in the bullet would make it act like a rubber bullet. And not even like yeah, a rubber no. bullet, not at that range. Like, no, 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 no. I, know. I, I, I thought about that. He's like, that's close range. You didn't puncture him. It just bounced off of him. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm like, that was probably the soy sauce protecting him too. Right. You know, that's the only logic, I guess, that I could throw on that, if you will. I'm wondering if there's more to that in the book. Probably. It was still a really cool sequence, though. No, I liked it because, A... It just ended a little silly. (laughs) silly. A little bit before that, I know I'm jumping around, but I I did want to mention his encounter with the weird cop whose mustache comes off and then it flies around the room. Mm -hmm. It's like, that was fucking wild because he rips the guy's arm off, the arm starts to strangle him until he gets out of the room, then it vanishes. The only thing I could fucking (laughs) think about that, Matt, and this is a weird fucking pull, (laughs) that fucking scene... Did you ever watch any Impractical Jokers? Mm-hmm. Do you remember in like the first season when they're having to fucking check out people at a Costco and they have Q just call that dude mustache? No, no, I don't think I've ever seen that. I know the guys, but I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Brian Quinn is sitting there, I, I think, which is really funny because I think they only ever call him Q on the show. That's funny. <laughs> Brian Quinn is... Uh, like they're doing the challenge of like they're they're checking out people at a Costco and the other you know the guys have an earpiece in their ear and they're telling them how to fuck up and like what to talk to like tell people and shit oh, yeah. to try to see what they'll fucking balk at and this dude comes up and they just have BQ fucking just call the dude mustache the entire time and dude starts getting pissed about it damn he's like what's up with the mustache like it, I see what you're saying it's like just keep calling a mustache <laughs> just keep calling a mustache. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> Damn. So as funny. soon as the mustache started flying around, I'm like, fucking mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking hilarious, dude. But that's 
another one of those things I like about this film is like that. What the fuck is that? It's like, well, yeah, that's 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 what happens. I mean, that's is, from some dimension. Yeah, that's this is this film, bro. This is what it's about. So, all right. So, I do want to throw that in there, but then that leads, of course, Dave talking on the phone with the hot dog, which is fucking. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I like this. This is actually starting a, a a thing here, because it's actually a broken phone. He's like, all right, well, go get the hot dog. He gets the hot dog. He's talking to him through the hot dog. He gets in the car. What it leads him to is going to um, the trailer, mm-hmm. right? And inside, you know, Dave is walking around. He finds that weird brain-like creature thing in the, the fucking fish tank. Yeah. But as that's happening, he also sees the TV turn on, and it shows him, the detective, coming in and shooting him before it happens. And that's when he has that moment where the soy sauce comes out of the refrigerator. He gets hit with it as <laughs> like a fly. Mm-hmm. And this, that's why he's got that little scar on his face. And then it also, you know, shoots inside his mouth and he trips out and does all that shit. But then detective comes in. He's like, uh, he's got the gas can. I like how he kind of points at <laughs> I bet you're wondering what I'm doing with this can of gasoline right here. <laughs> That's why I'm here committing felonies. Today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's he's going to light the bitch on fire. He's like, there's too many questions. I don't know what the fuck is going Dude. on. Fucking the cop talks for like two minutes straight right there. And that's almost exactly the scene I'm talking about where like yeah. dude is the main character in his he own really movie. really is. It's hilarious. Like his fucking speech is like main character speech. Yeah. And then he's like his final act is like quote unquote killing the guy. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. He's a survivor of these weird circumstances. I'm just going to kill him. Burn this shit and let it be. <laughs> that's how he's going to play out in his story. Mm-hmm. It almost goes well until Dave wakes up, and Dave gets saved because Barkley actually smashes through and, you know, nearly hits him, but doesn't. And they they wind up driving off. They have a conversation te- uh, telekinetically with Dave, and Dave's tells like, okay, this is what's happening. He's uh, with Amy and Fred, and they're mentioning something or another. I can't remember exactly what he says, but... He goes back home. That's what it is. Dave drives back home after all that stuff. And that's when he runs into Justin because Justin's at his place. Right. Yeah, shitload, if mm-hmm. you will. And he's got the gun behind his back. And he's like, oh, you ain't trying to play me, homie, blah, blah, blah. He punches him in the guts, and that's how he ends up in the back of the van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're going out to the old mall with the gang I just mentioned, Amy, Fred. John is all like, he's alive, but he's kind of in a comatose stage. He's mumbling, as Amy says. Which is interesting because Barkley is in the truck with them, that moving truck van. The dog licks John, and it snaps him back, too. That's another little hint, I believe, that the dog and the sauce are at work there. Right. Because otherwise, it's like, it wouldn't make sense that, like, why would a dog's lick wake this dude up? <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyhow, they go back to the old, or dead mall, as they put it. Here's an interesting little factoid is I believe it was one of the executive producers. Roman Perez. I was going to see it, see it, ask if you saw that trivia. Yeah, that's really cool. He said that that was the mall where he had originally seen Phantasm as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really neat. I was like, damn, that's really cool. There's actually a website that is dedicated to dead malls of America. I don't know if you've hmm. ever heard of that Mm-mm. or not. Yeah, it's really cool. I've been on there a few times. All right, anywho, while they're inside the mall, there's a package from the beginning of the movie, actually. Um, with a receipt where it shows John's name on it, John Cheese, and the old mall road and all that stuff. So the package is kind of like has a note in there 
trying to tell, you know, Dave, hey, Dave, there's something out here. Which is funny because it, what it winds up is Justin finds all that shit. He goes out to the front of the mall and he gets blasted by the, the fucking detective. Mm-hmm. Which, once again, in his main story, he's like, I'm trying to get rid of all the evidence. I found this motherfucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sets him on fire and shit. You're like, oh, goddamn. And so he's like, all right, now we're going to get away. So he gets all the gang, the detective that is. Right, because he knows that at this point, right. he's pieced together enough where he's like, well, they're not bad guys. I was just trying to get rid of all this evidence. Right. Like, and it's like, okay, well, he says, but my head is like, his head explodes in the fucking car because he's got those white mm-hmm. things. That's what shitload is. And actually, I'll, I'll look this up because this is, once again in the book, is uh, it's one of Korok's, uh, which we're going to get to here in just a second, a Korok Supernatural Minions. Uh, in this case, it said an infected Rob, which is the Jamaican guy, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we see some photographic evidence. We also see what happened to Justin, how he gets infected, right? So Justin's infected. We find out that Appleton, the detective, is infected because once his head blows up, we start seeing those things scatter. So presumably when he found the others, he got got by enough of them. And Probably, we just yeah. really didn't see that part of the story. Well, Probably because when he told it, he didn't consider that to be an important detail. Justin, too, drops a little bit of info on... Like probably the version of what he says shitload is. He's like, yeah, there's a shitload of us inside of me mm-hmm. or inside of it here or whatever. So that's a collection of souls, collection of... And we know it multiplies because David tells us the, the story about Planets. the other planet. Again. Yep, exactly. Within 100 days, mm-hmm. the entire planet was infested. Yeah, so there is some expo to giving you credence to what the fuck this thing is. All right, so what happens is the detective's card wrecks it... Uh, has some of them pinned inside. They get out. Fred winds up getting infected, winds up having to turn around, get some help, go on the highway, <laughs> gets blasted in the back, gets put on fire and all that shit. And uh, after all that happens, uh, they go back inside the mall, and they had seen a ghost door from earlier that Justin was trying to get Amy to open because of her phantom limb. It's kind of cheesy, but it's neat, too. Did you ever watch much Venture Brothers? No, I never. There's did. yeah, because there's a one of the super villains is Phantom Lin. Oh, that <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> Hell yeah! And he's just like a floating torso. Oh shit! <laughs> but then like that's funny. Like he'll pick up shit and you'll just like see it floating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Mm. Like it's legit. Like he's got his like almost like a wrestler onesie. You know, a little bit more, almost more like a spandex bodysuit that looks like it just cuts off with short sleeves, but then there's nothing there. So, like, when he's walking around and stuff, the animators are, like, only animating, like, the top arm moving motion, and it's fucking wild. It's awesome. Hell yeah. Also, you should check it out anyway, because I think you'd fucking dig some Venture Brothers. Hell yeah. It starts off as a fucking rip on Johnny Quest. That is, um... Adult Swim cartoon mm-hmm. work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I, said, I, I don't know why I never watched it. It's never, never did. But this will give me some credence too. We're almost at the end, so I'm going to speed this up a little bit. The door opens, right? Amy uses her phantom limb, opens up. Barkley, Dave, John enter. Inside, they run back into Roger North. They see this big pillar of the sauce, what it looks like a portal, a black portal of some sort. Was that supposed to be the sauce? It looked like it perhaps... Maybe. I was curious about that. I'm like, I, th- I think maybe it's, I don't know, man. Like I said, when I say maybe, that's my way. Like, wait, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I don't know for certain. I really yeah. don't. Maybe. 
That's the best I can give you. Like okay. maybe, perhaps. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I was curious about the same thing, but I, I sort of came away at the end being yeah. like, I don't think it is. They but don't really say that it is no. either, so I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. I don't know for certain. You know, if you have a better explanation, listeners out there, yeah, let us know. But as it stands, I'm not quite certain. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, Roger tells them that he has communicated with Marconi and brings Marconi out. And Marconi's guy like, hey, I got this bomb. Whether or not it kills... <laughs> Korok. The bomb is a fucking trip, literally. Holy shit. Military grade LSD laced C4. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you heard us right. He's like, even if it doesn't kill him, it's gonna fuck him up pretty bad. (laughs) It's gonna fuck him up pretty good. I will say this, man. Clancy Brown, uh, even though he's not in it, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot. Steals the show in every scene he's in. Dude, he's so good. I don't know what his accent's supposed to be. No. It said, like, maybe Russian, but not really. It's supposed to be TV psychic. That's his his fucking... So it is a character that he's playing. I mean, not just a character, but a character within a character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? So I get it. That accent is TV psychic. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What is it? TV psychic. (laughs) Precisely. Well, you had to go any further than that. So anyhow, they're sending them through that portal, if you you mm-hmm. know, into this dimension where Korak is at, an alternate universe. And upon arrival for Dave and John, they're greeted by these masks. Most of all of them are shirtless, so you get the boobed ladies, mm-hmm. you know, bare-chested guys, and you get large men who introduces himself to them and tells them they've been waiting for their arrival, their presence there, like this prophecy and so they bring them back to this, like, church altar thing. Mm-hmm. And they already have, like, these murals of them, which is kind of funny. That was funny. Because it has John playing the guitar. <laughs> and it has Dave talking on the phone <laughs> with the hot dog. <laughs> the hot dog. <laughs> but then it has, like, a, the background yeah. of them with, like, this loincloth kind of thing. And John's kind of pointing. And I was like, yeah, they did do, <laughs> do us pretty well right there. Anyway, what, what they're telling Dave and John, and this is what Largeman's telling them, is like, well, in this universe, this, you know, our universe, is there was a split in the timelines between ours and yours. And in the 18-whatever-it-was, 1800s, there was this guy named uh, Cyrus Rooney from Tennessee, right? And in our world, the guy died, mm-hmm. you know? But in their world, he lived, and because of that, he started tinkering with what they coined as bestiality. Yeah. <laughs> bestiality. Bestiology. Is that what they said? Bestiology. It's yeah. like, all right. <laughs> you know, of course there's the traditional joke there, but they've already said that guy was from Tennessee, so the joke wrote itself. But the point being is, like, this guy was toying with kind of like animal husbandry and, and splicing these things mm-hmm. and experimenting with technology and all this other stuff and basically made organic computers yes that became at some point sentient after his like death this Mm -hmm. one particular being if you will became like said sentient it could foresee things you know but then he tells him like well in your world we have to show you this because you guys would know this because of this concept called a cartoon And so they they play like fucking what cartoon was wild. that was fucking crazy. Holy shit, that cartoon is wild. Yeah. So essentially, what happened is the correction, the indoctrination, the propaganda, if you will, is like if you didn't buy into this 
Korok, you were basically getting fed to these interdimensional Gli- creatures or whatever yeah. the fuck they were. These and spiders. fucking <laughs> gory as shit. It does, like babies, But it saved women, on, China. like, all Everything. of the budget. It did. It was really smart. That was a smart way of doing that. And funny. It was. And even, like, what John said, he's like, but well. mostly smart. Yeah, and it, yeah, and fun. <laughs> John's like, he was like, in our universe, our our we call that arachnicide. <laughs> Would an arachnicide be killing an arachnid? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, not being killed I, by an arachnid. Yeah, I I think he was wrong there, but I, I knew what he was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> so, what we also learn is that Korok gains knowledge by sacrifice, mm-hmm. human sacrifice in this case. And they're going to go meet Korok, and they do. Like, these goons, they're on this, like, catwalk thing, platform, whatever, mm-hmm. and in this tank, this huge... It's pretty classic sci-fi. I'm pretty it sure really a, is. a shit ton of things have used this same exact setup. Yeah, yeah, the whole premise is, like, Korok's, like, this, this huge creature, sentient mm-hmm. being, and it's fucking with Dave and John about their dicks and <laughs> all this other crazy shit, right? Fucking with them. And I mean, I'm guessing uh, psychically, mm-hmm. you know, but what these people who are awaiting, you know, these two guys, they're going to try to feed them to Korok to gain their knowledge and also to have access, I guess, to their reality, like their universe, because they've been trying, but because they know that these guys have access or they have found a way to do it, they need that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Feed it to Korok. But at the very least, they're both on soy sauce right now, so eating them would make Korok on soy sauce. Yeah, and it would get all the knowledge it mm-hmm. ever needed, and that is not good, <laughs> potentially. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, so you get the classic, you know, Dave gets bumped off, he's hanging on. John helps out because he's got a flamethrower, <laughs> which is really cool. Out of fucking nowhere. Stupid little action scene, just yeah. as cheesy as any old sci-fi action sequence. Gotta have it. And especially Coscarelli, gotta have it, dude. Mm-hmm. It's perfect timing. Unbeknownst to us, though, the bomb is in possession of Barkley, who sacrifices himself by jumping into Korok. Because Korok get, like, gets hit in the eye or something. I can't remember exactly how that played out. So, no, he set up the bomb wrong, so it stopped at 7 mm-hmm. while they were trying to get out of there. So it wasn't going to go off. And they're about to get got. But then Barkley goes, jumps down, grabs the bomb, sets it right, and jumps down into Korok. Yeah, sacrifices it himself. And on the way out, Marconi's, you know, helping them, shoots one of the guys, and is like, well, why didn't you just... It's like, no. And it explains. It's like, you know, once Barkley bit Bob... Mm -hmm. You know, and like I said, communicate with Roger, and Roger communicate with me, and vice versa. And we, we basically just needed some chaperones, you know, some escorts that let this dog kind of go by innocuously. Like nobody even suspected the dog, not even the viewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the perfect point because that was the payoff. And so they yeah, did. The dog needed an escort. Yeah, it was like okay. So Barkley, you know, saved the universe in this case. You know, save everything. Dog and they come the back best home. driver I've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right. So now, you know, Dave and Amy are hooked. Their boyfriend, girlfriend. This is kind of what I like, too. But it's not just that. Is now Arnie is sold on the idea of, like, mm-hmm. okay, we got to get this published. But he tells him something. This is, like, the tell tell of the entire movie, the twist. 
is he's telling him a story about the first time he, you know, was interning or whatever, and there was a case in Detroit. On Devil's is, Night. Which is actually a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that. But I looked it up and was like, yeah, apparently, like, there was over 800 fires in fucking Detroit in 1984 on Devil's Night. And, man, there was, like, a lot of chaos going on that night. Anyhow, lots of, like, 17 deaths or some shit. Jesus. There was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, was, some shit happened. I just thought it was a weird coincidence. But, anyhow... He uh he draws some information on him. He's like, yeah, there was a cop there, you know, called him, you know what, dropped an N-bomb. And uh, he's like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Why would he say that to you? Yeah, he's like, that's weird. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, because, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, oh, no. So he tells him, he's like, no, I you're some, like, middle-aged, schlubby white guy, you know. He's like, you're not black. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So they go out to, to Paul the car. car. Yeah, Giamatti's car opens up the trunk and sees a beheaded black Arnie. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh. And this is where I was like, this really helps because, man, I, I know the first time I ever watched it, totally missed all this shit. Probably even the second, third time I watched it, missed all this shit. Mm-hmm. Is he's telling me, he's like, oh, he's like, well, what probably happened because I'm in the sauce is when we had that conversation, I imagined you as this. He's like, you know how you hear somebody and you never met them before and your mind comes up with an image of what mm-hmm. you think they look like? He's like, that's what basically happened. So because of the soy sauce, my mind conjured up an image of you and this is how we interacted because I'm on the sauce and I made you up. Yeah, well, he's like, well, and he's like, somebody must have caught wind that yes, you that contacted you were, yes, me. Yes, and you've been so dead probably for a few days. You, but I didn't know that you were dead. No, exactly, so, until now. Mm-hmm. Right, and of course, Paul Giamatti is in denial. He's like, no, I've got kids. I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Atlantic mm-hmm. City in June. <laughs> I'm supposed to be going on vacation. He said, this can't be happening. And then he vanishes. He just poofs, you know? And I was like, oh, that's... That's fucking wild, man. That's crazy because, yeah, there's Oni right there in the back. And at that point, we get Dave and John playing basketball. And there's like this orb, black orb, kind of similar to what we saw them passing through earlier. And the basketball, of course, yeah. goes through it. They now, go through it. When they went through it, I was really hoping that they were going to step on to the weird uh, tall man planet. Man, I was kind of hoping that, too, because that's a sphere. And I was like, man, that'd be perfect. That'd be hilarious. You already got Inga scrimming this. Yeah. That would have been hilarious had they had the, like, boy. Is it like that? <laughs> like, grab one of them out. <laughs> you play a good game, boy. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been the best crossover ever. <laughs> but when they're there, they're, like, on this post-apocalyptic landscape. And the year's, like, 5189. There's some details about some other shit that I can't remember exactly when on the newspaper. Time moves different, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, all this other stuff. Some woman sees them and they're like... The point is, they're once again prophesized to like be their saviors, and yes. they don't give a fuck. They're like... No, they've probably encountered this, this so today. many times, yeah. And the guys come down, and they're they're giving their whole spiel about you know them awaiting them, and they're going to help. They need their help, you know, and all this other stuff. And they, like you said... They could give two shits less. They're like, okay, well, on our planet, we got to go get our materials, and we'll come back and help you. I was about to say, the funniest slash most (laughs) fucked up thing about it is they had just gotten done establishing that time moves different. So even if they do come back, 
they're not doing it till they go like get some lunch at least. I know these. So these people are going to be dead from uh, by the age. time they come back. <laughs> yeah, and it could be another who knows how many thousands of years, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Even if they do come back, right? And that's, that's not a guarantee. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole fucking point. The like, we don't really give a fuck, dude. Yeah, like we're just trying to shoot hoops here. Our ball came into your fucked up reality. Fuck off out of here. Yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs> this guy's like, all right, we'll wait for you. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, so I like that. I like how it ends kind of like that too. Now, spoiler once again, there's several novels in mm-hmm. the series, so even though the film stops here and there's no sequel yet, and when I say yet because I don't know whether way they're going to do it or not, if there's even plans at all. I thought there was plans for a TV show. That would be awesome. Hopefully somebody would. I wish these I wish these guys were probably a little bit younger because, man, those guys have such good chemistry. Uh, Chase Williamson and Rob Mays, they did a really good job. Mm, maybe I'm wrong. But there is a fourth book coming out this year. I did see that, too. Mm-hmm. So I do have the first two books in the series. The other one's like, this book is full of spiders. I can't remember what the third one's called and the fourth one I can't remember either, but... Like, what the hell did I just read? What the hell did I just read? And the one that's coming out this year is, if you have this book, you're in the wrong universe. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it kind of makes sense now that... Or if this book exists, you're in the wrong universe. Yeah, I was like, that's really cool, because now it makes a lot more sense why they say that. So it is going to give me a lot more impetus to read the novels finally, because I'm in the middle of reading something that's not novels, like some heavy, just information, information... So once I'm through that, I will definitely get into this series because th- this is fun. Well, here's the fun thing. Like, we're recording this for our 420 episode, but we're recording it early so that we can have it out by 420. I get my next Audible credit on the 19th, so <laughs> nice. I will probably download it and start listening to it on my walk to the gym on Dude, 420. Sweet. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, you know, somewhere in between, I might start just picking it up and reading it casually, see what happens. This movie's dope. Yeah, you know what's interesting, too? I know we didn't bring it up. This is readily available information, so it's not like just something that, ooh, I found out by myself, is Don Coscarelli <coughs> said the reason he found out about this in the first place is he was reading, like, a lot of zombie books or some shit, mm. and a robot from Amazon basically was like, hey, if you like these, you might like this. Oh, yeah, and, it was basically, like, a featured ad to him. Right, and he's like, all right. Well, he said, he, you know, he read a little bit about it. He's like, oh, yeah, this looks like something I would like, and he read it, and he's like, wow, this could be a movie. And so he pitched the idea, and rest is kind of history. Right. Man, from what I do understand about this being an adaptation, though, I'm super, super interested to see what else the book does, because this is supposed to be only about, like, a little over right. a third of the book. Now, oh, man, it, I think what helps a little bit, too, is because I, did, I didn't I did read the novel, of course, I already said that, but I even looked a little bit more information, and it doesn't explain it here. It makes mention of it a little bit. Like, for instance, there's a line that John says to Dave, the reason I keep doing that is because a fucking movie's called John's Eyes Over the End. So the main character is not John, not necessarily. No. It's fucking Dave because he's a narrator. But Dave and John have a conversation where John says to Dave something like, they do that. And by they, he's kind of referring to these like shadow men or shadow creatures mm. that is in the novel. And they have a significance that oh, are like, okay. some. Like, it, it, I guess it has something to do with the creatures that are in you know, that we mm-hmm. see 
and they're a little bit more, I guess, explained or detailed in the novel. Okay. And there's some other characters too that we aren't introduced here. There's like a next door neighbor, and then there's it's like a, a sports anchor mm. that's involved somehow that we don't get introduced to at all in this story. Like I said, there's only so much you can do, mm -hmm. of course. There's so much you can adaptate, but. Regardless, like I thought this was fantastic. I know it's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea. This is not everybody's bag. No. But I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I think it's a good piece if you like cosmic horror, that's already a given. But I think once again, like films like Naked Lunch and stuff like that too are just weird enough that kind of fit in this mold. Not as comedic, but fucking weird bonkers. You're dealing with like these weird creatures from different planets and you know, different dimensions and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's not out of the realm. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm still, I said it a few times now, but I'm so glad I rewatched this yeah. so that it's back on my mind again. I think it was a really good choice. I know it came down to this and another film, and once again, we we flipped the coin and it landed for us uh, to do this one. And man, yeah, it's a fun way to, to get reintroduced to it. Uh, speaking of other films, we do know what we're doing next week. Yes, we do. Actually... What, next week and the week after? Next week and the week after. Due to the holiday, we're pushing the reanimated episode by one week. We are going to finish our Asia tour first. Yes, we got one more stop. So back to Indonesia, Mo Brothers, Killers. Yep. I'm going to give you some Mo. <laughs> going to give you some Mo. <laughs> some Kimo and some Timo. That's right, man. That's fun. And then after that, we'll be for our Patreon. Yeah. Our third reanimated Wizard of Gore. Yes, that's going to be an interesting little revisit. Uh, super interesting. And we have talked about what we might uh, follow Ooh, that up with, yeah. but we'll we'll discuss it more between now and then. But yeah, you know at least what's coming up the next couple weeks. Fucking happy 420, everybody. Happy thank 420. you for listening yeah, to all of this. Thank you. Hopefully you guys go and watch this movie while nice and super stoned and yeah, think about all the weird shit in the universe. Yeah, you know what would be fun too is... For those who have watched this or like, hey, man, you guys forgot to say this. Or maybe there's a concept you did. Hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, we'd like to hear it. And, you know, once again, we've always talked about this. Is like we do like recommendations and suggestions. So mm -hmm. if you got some, throw them out there, too. We have a hard time thinking of these things. If you yeah, guys think of yeah. them for us. Exactly. Maybe we're sleeping on some things. I mean, we it's happened before. It's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Hit us up with some sleepers. For this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in fried squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.